Hey folks, before we get started, I just want to let you know about my upcoming book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. If you're looking for a job or you think you might be looking for a job in the future and you're trying to up your mobility and meet new people and things like that, this book walks you through the whole process. Go ahead and check it out. It comes out on November 20th. It'll be on Amazon and you can find it as The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm your host, Sean Claybo, and with me today on the panel is Caleb Wells from Typhon Group. Hey, Caleb, Hey, how's it been? Good, you? Good. You missed last week, so hope you had a good time. Yeah, yeah. Took a little vacation. Oh, nice, nice. So what we're going to be talking about today is a little thing called SIMI and Chaos Engineering, and our guest to talk about that is Giovanni Sandoval. Say hi, Giovanni. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Glad to have you. The thing that I believe most about top-notch developers is that they're constantly learning. Whether you're out watching videos, whether you're reading blog posts or books, whether you're out writing open source software, you're always out there learning how to be a better developer. And my friends at Thinkster and I teamed up and we put together a show called the DevEd Podcast. You can find it at devedpodcast.com. It's run by Joe Eames, who you might know from JavaScript Jabber, Adventures in Angular, and Views on View. And they have terrific conversations about what it means to become a better developer, to learn how to do development, and the ways that you can learn. So if you're looking for inspiration and ideas about how you can do better and learn better as a developer, then go check out the DevEd Podcast. So uh, tell us a little about yourself, what you do, where you work, those kind of things. Sure. I'm a software engineer from Medellin, Colombia. I've worked for more than like 11 years as a developer, technical lead, architect. Currently, I work for a, a New York company called Stellar Employee. Actually, I, I work remotely because I'm based here in, in Medellin. So also, I love contributing to, to the community, you know, for example, writing in, in my blog, mostly about Microsoft technologies I'm a co-organizer of the uh, .NET community here in Medellin. I drive in Simi right now, the Project Simi. Okay. So what is Project Simi? Well, Simi is a chaos engineering tool based on the idea of the Netflix Simian army, you know? Yeah. Also, it's based on, on Poly. Actually, I would say that Simi is like a, a, a child of, of Poly. So what is chaos engineering and what is poly for those who don't know? Yeah, good question. Actually, I, I, I really like a definition from, from Gremlin that sometimes I saw. I really like the thing in chaos engineering like a, a vaccine that you inject yourself with a bit of a potentially virus in order to prevent illness. So say that chaos engineering is a philosophy which provides you tools to be search an immunity in our systems by injecting chaos, like, for example, injecting uh, faults, injecting latency, CPU failures, etc. It's intentionally breaking things, right? Exactly, exactly. It's all about intentionally breaking things, you know, in order to find out potentially weaknesses in your system and then fix them before they become in, in outages, you know? Yeah. And so what is what is poly? You said it's it's kind of like the parent of Simi, so to speak? Yeah, poly is the best tool for resilient to, to build resilient strategies in, in the .NET ecosystems. 
So poly provides you policies, for example, uh, fallback policies, retry, wait, and all have isolation and a lot of, of tools and APIs to to build resilience strategies in order to to build resilient systems, mm-hmm. you know. So actually CMIS is based on poly because at the end of the day, our monkey policies are a policy itself. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So so with policy uh, with poly and the policies that, that you create from that with normal.net and you know maybe a web API call, right? When you go in, if you have if you have an issue, you know, that falls into the the catch and you return an exception, it's a one-time deal. With poly, it'll actually try that same process the number of times that you specify based on your policy. And then if it still can't do it, that's when you get the exception. Is that the case? Exactly. Yeah. So semi builds on that and actually forces the exception after poly does its thing. Actually, before you start to try to inject in some chaos, I would say that the first step is you need to have in place your resilient strategy. For example, something like, as you're saying, Say you're gonna consume external API, so you want might to retry, for example, three times if something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Then, for example, you you might want to try a, a fallback in case, right. uh, for example, I don't know, putting that request in, in a queue or something like that. So first thing is is that uh, create your resilience strategy. I would say. A second step before trying to inject chaos in your system, I would say is that ideally you have to to have in place a good monitoring strategy or tool because you need to to watch and observe your system and, and the behavior of your system in order to you know be aware easily where is the the weaknesses in in your system then I think you're ready to try and start making some experiments, injecting chaos in your system. For example, speaking about that in that, that case that you're consuming an external API, it might interesting, for example, simulate, a, I don't know, a, a bad request. So, for example, you can tell Simi, hey, Simi, I, I want to simulate a, a bad request calling this this API. So Simi is going to inject that result, a, a bad request. Then you're going to be able to try if your resilience strategy around that, around that call of that API is, is working fine or not. And that's why I say that it's important you have the resilience strategy in place and also uh, monitoring strategy and tools in place in order to see how the system behaves under that behavior, you know? Okay. Are Poly and Simi both based around .NET? That's what they're used for? Yeah. Poly, Poly uh, and Simi is, is around on the .NET ecosystem. And it can be used for either .NET web applications, desktop, whatever you need? Yeah. Actually, Simi, uh, as far as I remember... Supports .NET Standard 1.6, .NET, .NET Standard 
2.0 and also we're going to support the new Donald standard 2.1. Can it be used for full framework? Yeah. Okay. Just make sure there. So what's kind of the hello world, the first thing that somebody might do with, with Simi and trying to, to use some chaos engineering in their, their setup? Yeah, actually, we got several examples in, in, in the repo. You can find them in the main repo on, on GitHub. We have an example, that, the, as you say, the Hello World example, which is pretty basic. And it shows an approach to using Simi, injecting exceptions, any kind of exception, injecting, for example, HTTP response messages as, as false in a dynamic manner without to, for example, uh, restart the application, just matter of, or, of dating the uh, configuration file, that in that case is uh, an app settings file, you know. And also we have uh, another couple of examples, uh, more advanced and more real life, you know. For example, we, we have an example that shows an approach to how to use CIMI in in a distributed architecture. So using, in that example, we're using uh, Azure SQL databases, uh, Docker, Service Fabric. In that example, it shows an approach to how to configure your cows dynamically. And also it shows an example about how you can inject, for example, even a custom behavior, whatever you need in that case, is an example of how you can restart or stop uh, nodes in uh, or instances in your cluster. So right now, Simi offers three types of policies, right? Fault, latency, and behavior. Mm-hmm. Is behavior more of a catch-all outside uh, of the other two? Can you give us an example of a behavior? Uh, exactly you know, what you would put in there to make it fail? Yeah, for sure. Imagine that you need to to inject a very custom behavior mm-hmm. uh, as in, in your system to to make some chaos. So I would say, for example, uh, updating uh, a table in your database, for example, okay. or I would say stop an instance of virtual machines in in Nasu. You know, gotcha. so that's why we created the, the behavior monkey to, to, to that cases, very custom uh, cases. Because for example, uh, with the fault monkey or fault policy, mm-hmm. you can inject not only exceptions, let's say a general exception or out of argument, I don't know, exception, whatever, mm-hmm. but you can inject any result as an exception or your custom exceptions. Okay. So as I said earlier, you can trade, for example, an HTTP response message as an, as an exception. You can tell Simi that. Um, also, we have another monkey, which is okay. for insert latency as well. Yeah. Okay. Does it work like uh, a mocking framework or is it middleware? How does it get itself into your system? Yeah, that's a good question because that was one of the original ideas. And actually, we have that idea in our to-do list because Simi is able not only to inject chaos, inject chaos uh, in their system and simulate chaos, but it's also 
it's going to be useful also for mocking or for uh, testing purposes. So we have in mind in the near future, I think, write some some syntax or some APIs to let the, the consumers using CIMI for unit test purposes as well. Because as you said, you can mock easily any kind of, of dependencies. So right now, it's an extra layer on top of poly, and poly is for your production environment. I'm assuming that, well, I know in Netflix's case, right, they, they inject stuff randomly to, mm-hmm. to make things fail and test stuff out. Is Simi doing the same thing in a production environment, or would that be something that you would actually trigger in your you know, uh, dev or QA environments? Well, actually, you can inject or set up Simi in whatever environment you need. Of course, the ideal is when you feel uh, confidence enough about your resilience strategy or your monitoring strategy, Mm -hmm. you could start making experiments in a production environment. But for example, in your startup class, you can uh, set up Simi, for example, if the environment is production, set up Simi, or if environment is staging, set up Simi, you know, it's, it's up to you, actually. Okay. I just want to clarify something uh, about Simi that I think is important before we move on, that all chaos policies, I mean, fault policy, latency, and behavior policy are designed to inject chaos randomly. So a monkey policy allows you to specify an injection rate between 0 and 100%. So the higher is the injection rate, the higher is the probability to inject inject the, the chaos. Also, it allows you to specify whether or not the random injection is enabled. So that way you can release or hold the monkeys regardless of the injection rate you specify. It means if you specify an injection rate of 100%, but you tell to the policy that the random injection is disabled, it will do nothing. So that's led you to inject the cows in a very dynamic way. Okay. In that case, you can target, like you said, different environments if you wanted to to really do some testing against dev, but not have it running necessarily in the production unless you're you're confident that your resiliency is in place. Okay. Exactly, exactly. Actually, now that you mentioned target, you can inject chaos in a targeted manner as well. Okay. Using, for example, the context. So using the context. For injected cows, you can control the cows, for example, in a targeted manner, for example, by tagging your policy executions with a context operation kit and introducing chaos targeting particular target operation. For example, you might want to inject only chaos in one method in one of your controllers, but just, just there, not the whole controller. Or, for example, you might want to inject chaos in your data layer, for example, in the whole data layer, but you might want to inject different type of chaos, for example, when you insert something or you update something in your in your database, or probably you might want to, to inject a different chaos, for, for example, kind of latency, when you're trying to to perform a select or when you're trying to to get something from from your database. So Simi allows you to do that, to inject the the chaos in a targeted and in a controlled manner as well. Okay. 
I can just imagine what it would be like to push that button to turn on, you know, semi in production for the very first time. I just see my blood pressure would just go through the roof going, I'm going to hit this button. I don't, I hope it goes the way I want it to be. (laughs) And it's like, oh my. (laughs) My boss would have a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hey boss, we're going to intentionally try to break things in production. Is that okay with you? (laughs) These things about chaos engineering is kind, kind disruptive because as you say, it's like, kind of crazy try to to break things in a production environment on, on propose you know but well, actually but yeah it makes sense right yeah. especially like for instance with a company like Netflix you need to have that resiliency that testing in place like you said the the fallback external api or or you know if you continue getting bad requests here Right, you may load a more slim down UI or, or provide them with information you have at the time, that kind of stuff. That and that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And I think it has even more sense nowadays with all of these trends about microservices, you know, because yes, testing out uh, an architecture, a distributed architecture system with mm-hmm. a distributed architecture is really, really difficult because right. you can't cover all the cases all the cases only with unit tests or integration tests, you know? So that's why chaos engineering is so important nowadays in in that matter, in distributed architectures. We've got a couple of links from the the Poly project that we'll add to the show notes. One of them that I'm curious about is on actually implementing Semi in your, your Azure app. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I find very, very useful uh, uh, Azure App configuration as a chaos store of settings, you know, because you can use Azure App configuration to store your chaos settings. Azure App configuration provides you almost in in real time. I mean, an update in real time. For example, if you if you update your your settings in storing Azure App configuration, Azure App configuration then will be to notify the, the all the clients using that, that configuration. Because think about this scenario. For example, if you have a store your your chaos settings, say in, in the conventional app settings file. So if you have deployed your application as a containers, so we're gonna end up with a lot of thousands of containers. So trying to, you know, update all the configuration, all the settings in all the containers is would be a mess, you know? So instead of that, you have uh, your settings in one place, centralized in one place. In this case, will be Azure App configuration. Okay. And once you update some setting, for example, if you want to enable the, the chaos, it's just a matter of uh, update that setting in Azure App configuration, and and that's it. Almost in real time, you're gonna have the chaos enabled in your system. So I, I found very very useful Azure App configuration for yeah. for propose. When I first started taking computer science classes in college, I thought programming was just a joke. In fact, I changed my major over to engineering and started doing computer engineering and chip design. Then I found Ruby and I fell in love. I love Ruby. It was my first real programming language where I dove deep and really learned 
how to make software that makes a difference for other people. Since then, and the way that we got started with devchat.tv, we started a show called Ruby Rogues. It's currently in the 400s of episodes. We've talked to hundreds of people in the Ruby community about the Ruby community, about the Ruby programming language, about Rails, and about what makes good programming. So if you're interested in Ruby Rogues, or you just want to hear a long series of experienced programmers talking about real problems, then go check out rubyrogues.com. We're prototyping some stuff in Azure right now, you know, or proof of concepts, testing things out. And I definitely like how the configuration is set up for Azure apps or, or even for Key Vault, right? So you're, you don't have to, to manage or keep all that stuff either in Secret Manager or in your repo code. You set it up in, in Azure and it's managed that way. And so you set it up once and you're good to go. And that makes sense if you want to be able to turn it off and on. You don't have to do another build or another deployment. So, okay, cool. Yeah, actually imagine that, for example, you just released a new version of your application. Right. So you might want to enable the chaos, say, for the next 30 minutes in order to, to make sure that that release is, is going to work uh, fine. So you can, for example, enable the, the chaos just after of that deployment. So it would be super helpful for that. So I was just wondering, uh, do you know if there's many large companies that are actually, you know, have Simi in place and are using it to? Well, I don't know for sure about that, but I know that some guys, for example, in UK, also in Brazil, are starting to talk about Simi in their local communities. Also, I know, for example, that Brian Hogan has written a blog post series about Simi. I did a talk about Simi recently uh, here in, in, in Medellin, in, in a local community, and it was fantastic to see the people's reaction when when they saw Simi in action, you know? So, but I, I'm not sure if there are already companies using Simi. I, I hope, but I don't know. But I think that's the idea because I feel I feel that the community around Simi is, is starting to grow up and it's amazing. But what I know is that all of the biggest companies out there take care about chaos engineering. So I know, for example, well, all we know that the Netflix, of course, Microsoft, Uber, LinkedIn, all those big companies take care about chaos engineering. Yeah, I know Netflix really does some crazy things. I Their engineers will just walk around and pull wires and plugs just randomly, yeah. things like that. So that just, just seems crazy to me. So you, you talked about the community. So tell us a little more about that. Is it is it fairly good size? Is it growing? Yeah, it's fantastic because Simi is still, you know, a kind of brand new tool for case engineering. But I think one of the reasons could be because of the lack of uh, case engineering tool in, into the .NET ecosystem. Also because, because of the support of Poly, because... All the people out there knows that Poly is a great tool, has a great support, you know. Yeah. So that's great, uh, you know, count on uh, with the support of, of Poly. So, yeah, I, I, I've, I feel that Simi uh, community has been starting, starting to grow because, as I said, people are starting to, to write in blog posts about that. Also, uh, in the uh, Poly Slacks, there are people that ask for, you know, good practices 
around CME and how to use CME. So it's great and I, I'm glad because of that because uh, CME is still, as I say, a brand new tool. So yeah, that's, that's fantastic. How old is CME? How long have you been working on it? We started to work on CME last year, okay. I think, yeah, at September, October. But we released CME like in June, I think. So okay. it's pretty junk. <laughs> yeah, it's new. It's new. Yeah. So is it open source? Yeah, it's, it's completely open source. You can find uh, the repo uh, and the code in, in GitHub under the PolyContrib organization. And also... We'll, we'll add a link. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, also, let me, yeah. let me say that because not only semi community is starting to grow, but also polycontrib organization because polycontrib organization encourage people, you know, to contribute around poly, you know. So, for example, I realized that Microsoft Teams team is going to contribute with a custom catch policy that they built for their needs. So it's going to be a, a new project in poly country organization. Cool. Actually, yesterday I saw that a guy said that he, he wrote a custom forehead policy. So probably it's going to be a new project also into the poly country organization. No, I think that's great. Poly is a, a solid open source tool. So I think it's good that you're able to, to build on top of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It looks like the mascot for Simi is a pirate monkey. Uh, (laughs) Where'd that come from? That come from because of the idea of the of the Simian army. So right, uh, okay, got you. Yeah, yeah. So the pirate, the pirate monkey. It's like you remember the that monkey of the pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like that because our idea was. We wanted to say that Simi is a kind of crazy monkey that when you release <laughs> it, it could do, you know, uh, chaos, serious chaos. So are most of the functions there, the functionality that you want it to have, or are you still building on that? A lot of things to add. What's what's the future of Simi? Yeah, actually, right now, I'm working in a pull request because we wanted to, to build a, a, a new syntax a new syntax which go, is gonna allow Simi to to grow easily because we wanted to avoid the proliferation of overloads. That's by the way, it was a problem that Dylan Dylan is the is the architect of Poly, you know. Okay. It's a problem that Dylan realized. And right now, if you want to add, for example, a new parameter, it's gonna implies a new overload in order to you know to keep supporting the the old syntax supporting the, the new overload. So we wanted to avoid that. And I, I work in, in, an, in a new syntax that is going to be, I think, more intuit, intuitive and easier to, to use for the consumers. It's basically like all the, the .NET API syntax work. For example, receiving an action of an options object, making with, with building the builder pattern, you can a build your, your policy. So I'm working on that. Actually, I think I will be able to release in the next couple of weeks. And also I have in mind a couple of extensions or, or new 
in policies that I think is going to be very useful. For example, I have in mind uh, uh, an extension that will be able to to restart or stop instances in Azure, like in order to offer that like a built-in or out-of-the-box feature with Simi, as for example, Netflix Simi and Army does with with Amazon. You know, so uh, I think it's going to be pretty useful because I think that's a common need when it comes to inject chaos because you know playing around with instances in in the cluster is is very very common when when it comes to to inject chaos in a in a distributed system so i think it will be very nice to have that uh, out of the box actually as i said earlier you can do that uh, using the behavior uh, monkey that we already offer but as i said I think it's, it's better when you just uh, grab some Nugget package that already do that and just set it up and, and, and using it. Also, I have in mind another extension to inject traffic, basically. I think it will be very useful not only to to test out, for example, the throttling or, or the rate limiting in our APIs, but also to test out if we're ready to for example, a DDoS attack. So I think it's going to be very interesting trying to to inject that kind of, of chaos. So one of your graphics, you have a watch monkey that looks like you're doing, it's an Azure function. Is that something that's part of SEMI or is that something that you implemented as an example? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Good question because that was just an approach that one of many things you can do with Simi. I mean, right now it's not something built in with Simi, but in that example, I just showed an approach how to automate the, the chaos. So I just built an Azure function uh, that was watching the, you know, the, the chaos settings. Let's say, for example, enough, a master enough button to turn on or turn off the, the chaos. So in that case, that Azure function is, is watching that. If the chaos is enabled to release the monkeys or hold the monkeys automatically, also to allow you or to show you how to, to automate the chaos, for example, for any period of time or, or window of time. You know, for example, you might want to only enable chaos say that midnight, I don't know, or maybe depending on a region, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's just an approach that I, I built to in order to show how you can automate the chaos injection using Simi, you know, taking advantage of the of other tools that we, we have in, in in the Microsoft ecosystem. Okay. Cool. So what kind of things uh, haven't we covered about Simi and Poly and just in general about chaos engineering that would be interesting for our listeners? Well, I would say just a brief history about how Simi, Simi was born. Just, yeah. I was working on building a resilient strategy for uh, consuming Azure SQL databases in the company I used to work for by that time. So mm-hmm. I was using Poly a lot. I was amazed with, with that project because... Because, you know, because it was a great, and it is a great project and very easy to use. So 
ever since I, I got interested in, in the project, I, I wanted to contribute somehow with the project, you know? So I started to watching the, the, the repo on GitHub. And yeah. someday I, I saw an issue created by Minhas that, by the way, Minhas was the one that got, that got the original idea about, about Jimmy together, together with, with Dylan. By that time, uh, Minhas was working at, at Microsoft. I think right now it's, he worked at, at Google. But anyways, that's the, the history, the, the, the story around um, behind, behind, behind Simi. So I remember that I started to write in the latency monkey, you know, and mm-hmm. I ended up writing a, a lot of code, writing the documentation, a lot of stuff. And, and here I am dri- driving Simi now. That's yeah, awesome. I, it, it was funny and it was a really, really a great journey for me and funny as well, because I, I, I've learned tons from, from, from Polly and also from, from Dylan. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. If that's all uh, we kind of got for uh, learning about Polly and Simi and chaos engineering, I, I thought it was really interesting. I, I hope some of the listeners can pick up on some of this and maybe uh, look at chaos into their applications to make it uh, you know, more stable and more robust. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Good. One of the things that I find that we talk a lot about at the different conferences and the different things that I'm working on is open source software. And a lot of people have a lot of ideas around open source software, but we don't often think about the people who are building it and trying to maintain it. I had a friend, John, who came to me. He's been a guest on JavaScript Jabber a couple of times. He came and he actually said, hey, Chuck, I wish there was a show about sustaining open source. That really hit me where I live. And I have a few other friends who are working on projects related to this. So we all got together and we put together a show called Sustain Our Software. You can find it at sustainoursoftwarepodcast.com. It's a place where several people who are passionate about open source come together and have conversations about how it can be sustained and how it can be maintained and what we can do to help these maintainers continue to deliver us value that we build our software on. Most of the software we're building is based on open source. And so it's important to us to have that maintained and have it taken care of. Come check it out. It's been really interesting to listen to the conversations that they're having from people who are working in it all the time and just hear what they have to say about it. Once again, that's at sustainoursoftwarepodcast.com. I guess we should probably move on to picks then. All right. Everybody Sounds ready? good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll go first this week. Okay. And my pick is adaptive cards for Blazor. And I don't know if you know what adaptive cards are, but adaptive cards are a way to exchange content in a common and consistent way. So it can exchange basically rich snippets with UI between all sorts of platforms and applications. So you can write kind of like almost like a component and have it embedded in things like Teams or Outlook or even in other platforms like Android, iOS, and uh, you know React or any of that, that kind of stuff. So they just came out with a version of that. So you can use Blazor to make your adaptive cards. So if you cool. want to do something like that, cool. check it out. Okay. My pick for this week is another uh, Nintendo Switch deal. Yeah, this is actually a website uh, called DekuDeals.com. We'll add a link to the show notes. I'm curious about sales to doing or, you know, when when a, a game I'm interested in has a big, di- big discount. And I used to get on Reddit, you know, and there's a couple of uh, pages there and you could track stuff. But this website actually 
as pulling in feeds from all the major retailers as well as Nintendo's eShop. You can create an account there and select the games that you're interested in. It'll actually notify you by email when they go on sale. So I've actually gotten some good good finds to the website. You know, a game that's 20 bucks, I was able to get it for, for a buck. So, wow. uh, so there you go. Cool. Nice. So, Giovanni, what do you think you have for a pick? I, I'm about to, to finish uh, a TV show from HBO called Westworld. Yes, yes, you know? yes. <laughs> yeah, very good stuff there because uh, I think it's, it shows in a great manner, in a great way, all, all this stuff behind the AI, behind the artificial intelligence, how it seems to be under control, but suddenly, somehow, it turns out that it is not. <laughs> so It's so a slippery I, slope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. I found... Very interesting that that TV show. Cool. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember the original show that all this is based <laughs> upon. So, uh, Me too. Really, yeah. Yes. It was really cool to see that they they came around and redid this, and the season two was a bit hard to really kind of follow and figure out where they were going. But once you kind yeah. of fill in all the little pieces that they've got, it's just so interesting. So I'm anticipating and anxious for the, uh, the next season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Giovanni, thank you for, for joining us. We appreciate you uh, filling us in on uh, Simi and wish you the, the best of luck and continued development around it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having me. And also, thanks for, for this podcast. Keep it up because I think thank it's you. a pretty, pretty nice contribution to the community so keep it up guys and thank you for having me no you're more than welcome and thank you thank you bye all right all right everybody have a good week and we'll see you next time bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn deliver your content fast with cashfly visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y.com to learn more